0: Be bold and be brave and just
1: go for it. As photographers, we are always looking for powerful images that, that will hold time in place, that will draw people in and symbolise something universal, something shared, something emotional.
0: Everybody needs to see what's going on everywhere. Pictures just stand out. This is how we remember.
1: Insights, kits and the conversations that matter with the world's leading photographers and filmmakers in Shutter Stories.
0: We are used to seeing documentary photographs in newspapers, in print, or online, in exhibitions and in books, but how often do we stop and think about their value as recorders of history? In this episode of Shutter Stories, we're focusing on the value of the photographic archive and what it can reveal when we delve into its many years after creation. Welcome to Shutter Stories. My name is Ilvinio Kikcin. I'm a Canon ambassador and I'm today's host. And I'm joined by the award winning British documentary photographer and member of Magnum Photos, Chris Steele Perkins, who is dialing in from Japan. Welcome,
1: Chris. Thank you very much, Ylvi. Good to be here.
0: Thanks so much for being here. So, um, well, we've invited you to speak to us today because you've recently published a book, The Troubles, uh, for which you revisited. Um, your work uh, from your archive from the work that you made in Belfast back in 1978 and could you maybe start by telling me about the project a bit like what were you photographing and
1: where and why when I, w- I was working with a couple of other photographers on a project on inner city poverty What we called ourselves exit and we'd set ourselves the task of photographing poverty in Britain's inner cities and it was pretty extreme and at the same time there was a war going on in Northern Ireland and we thought that the situation with poverty and race riots and so on that were happening in the 70s in Britain could turn into something even worse than what was happening in Northern Ireland. So I decided to go there and work and, and try and produce some, some work that would be part of this book project. So it's called Survival Programmes. And
0: when you were there, what, what was it like working there for you? And Was, was this kind of the beginning of your career? Or?
1: Well, in a way, when I look back on it, yes, it was. Because, I mean, it was part of the Northern Ireland was obviously part of the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But the experience of being there, for me, was being somewhere that was abroad. Yeah. You know? Such I a mean, different the world. difference. And you've got a world where you're walking down the equivalent of Oxford Street, I suppose, and there's broken windows and, and men with um, automatic rifles sitting on one corner or the other. And you think, it's not so far away. Um so yes, it was, and it was an eye-opener to me as well.
0: What, what kind of things did you, did you photograph at the time? Uh, I saw some of the images in, in your new book, and what, what really caught my eye is that there were so many young people in your images, lots of children, young people.
1: Well, that's right. I mean, what I was trying to do was give a sense of everyday life. You know, when I go to contact, when I used to go to contact, places where conflict was taking place, I always think I want to try and make a portrait of the whole society, mm. as much of it as I can at least, rather than just waiting for the, the stones to be thrown, the bullets to start flying.
0: Yeah, more the daily lives. Photographers
1: only do, only do that. Yeah. I I can't not do it in a conflict zone. I can't just pretend that it's not happening, but I, can't, I shouldn't at the same time pretend that it's happening all the time. Yeah. Because it's not
0: well, and daily life is super important to, to picture as well because it, it makes the viewer understand what life is like in a certain place, right?
1: Absolutely. And it's, it was also important to me that I actually lived in the community. Ah. Um, people sort of looked after me with surprising generosity, given that they didn't have much money, they didn't have much of anything. Mm. But I was, um, I made lifetime friends going there well
0: that's beautiful that's really beautiful and and uh, what can you can you describe maybe one or two of your favorite images that you took at that
1: time one of my favorite images is one of the ones that I was going to mention of the ones that was ignored entirely for years and years until I I revisited the my my archive and and pulled it out of the contact sheet so the, the one I'm talking about is a picture of some girls, five girls sitting on top of a wall Mm -hmm. broken down wall with broken down dumps, kitchen appliances um, graffiti and yet it's somehow they're looking out over this wall as it were looking out to the future but it's looking even despite the setting there's a kind of in my view at least uh, sort of sense of hope and uh, which is coming from the girls, I hope through there that the future is going to be better for them
0: and when when did you um, see this image again in your archive in the contact sheet? What year was that? Was that a couple of years ago, or
1: about a couple of years ago, yeah, when I decided that I would would um, take a look through the archive you know as a whole
0: and when you saw the image, did you remember when you that you took it, did you remember the image or was it one of these moments where you were just passing by these couple of girls and you just shot the image and, and it wasn't significant at the moment maybe?
1: Yes, it was one that I didn't really notice, I must admit. If you had shown me that picture without saying anything, I might not have even recognized that I'd taken it after, <laughs> <you> know,
0: <laughs> That also a says a lot years. about how many images you've taken throughout your career. <laughs>
1: Well, That's it does, amazing. but you know, you, yeah. you kind of you, you're always wanting to move on to the next project, yeah. And so some pictures get left behind.
0: Mm, yeah, it's so true. And
1: what
0: what did you do with the images at the time that you took there in Belfast? Were they published, or or were they all made for the book that you mentioned that you were making with the colleagues at the time? Or
1: yeah, that, well, they were all they were all well, they weren't all in an ed- edit of the work. A s- selected few pictures were used in the book Survival mm-hmm. Programs and which was published by Open University Press we also got various different um, exhibitions around the country at the time too but that didn't wasn't able to use as much as the text as we could use in the book text was very important in the book as well we interviewed the people oh you interviewed we them, them yourself yes, yeah
0: and when you were uh, revisiting your archive and going through these uh, images, was that because you already had the plan to make your latest book or were you going through your archive for a different reason?
1: Well, it sort of partially coincided with lockdown as well. Um, ah, I see, okay. But I, I, I had been thinking for some time that an archive is not a static thing, you know. It grows. And the first body of work that I did in Northern Ireland was the one that was used for the survival programs. But after that, I went back to visit people. I went back on assignment. I was there when... Um, I've, you've seen the book, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: There was an attack on a, a Catholic funeral by a guy called Stone, a, a Protestant fanatic. Um, and I was there when that happened. And then later on, I got an assignment from actually the Times magazine. It was a suggestion I put to them that we go back and revisit some of the families. The reason was it was coming up for 10 years that the Northern Ireland peace process had been signed. Mm-hmm. And the idea was to visit some of the families that were, appeared in my portraits and see what the peace process ten years later on um, meant to the meant to the people who were kids at the time that I photographed them, but were now had their own families. You know, uh, after years of peace, what was it like? What was the difference for them? Were you able to?
0: Tra- is is your archive so well organized that you still have? contact details and all of that?
1: No, no, my, my, unfortunately, I, w- I wish it was true. <laughs> uh, my my archives would were an utter, utter mess, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> slightly less so since <laughs> lockdown. I've been w- doing some work on tidying it up. But yes, I'd urge any younger photographer to keep a decent track of their archive. Hmm. You think you'll always remember it, but you don't.
0: Yeah, it's a big problem. I'm currently also... Uh working on my archive. I've been photographing for 15 years and the early years of my archive are quite messy. And it's a bit, it's problematic because at the time I thought, oh, I will remember the names and I will remember the city where I took this image. But now 50 years on, I can't even remember who this person was. So yeah, it's very important for any photographers who are listening in now, start organizing your archive right away. And I think you would agree, right?
1: Absolutely. You, you, you shoot yourself in the foot by not doing it. Yeah, 100%. And the archive, you never know what, what will become of the archive. But, hey, look at you, you know, now with the book. Be, <laughs> it may be the source of other books. It may develop into different projects. It may do a lot of things.
0: So when time, when time asked you to, to revisit the people, were you able to find them?
1: Well, yes, I was, because this was Northern Ireland. So either people were sort of had gone off to Australia, had enough of that, or else they were living next to their Ma or nan, 200 metres away from where they were living before. Mm. And because of the, the tight-knit sort of community, everybody seemed to know everybody. So literally, in some cases, I was going with a, a bunch of pictures into the, into the pubs and saying, do you know where... Where who that person is and where they live, and finding people that way. The other was that, obviously, I was a good friend there, um, Paul McCorry, who knew everybody, it seemed, in Belfast. So my memory was fortunately done, done by other human brains than mine. Um, so I got 15 different uh, interviews and portraits. Oh, wow. From that.
0: From, uh, from the people that you photographed before
1: that's right yes
0: and what year was this in when you were revisiting them
1: I think it was 2008
0: and what was it like to to see them again and to revisit and to because I'm, I'm guessing you also brought the photographs along to show them hey I took this picture of you so many years ago
1: yeah I mean it was nice some, some of them not not many but had, had had the pictures hanging on the wall oh from, from the the previous shoot
0: really so you would enter their house and you saw your own work hanging there
1: well you know it's in a little local shots frame or something yeah yeah. yeah. and it didn't happen all the time but occasionally you'd see that it's just nice
0: that's lovely
1: and the thing with the you know i was that was published well well published in the times magazine and again it goes into cold cold storage as it were Mm -hmm. and so i was thinking well i've got um, this work that I did with the Times, I've got the work I did in on with the funeral, I've got work that I did from just coming over and doing some bits and pieces, odd, odd assignments here and there. There's more to be said for, you know, the work that I did at that time. Because mm-hmm. in the end, I suppose, there's about six or seven pictures in the book of survival programs. And I felt that there was a, Another book's worth in the the found material, as it were. Because you had so so much. And I decided to sort of be systematic about things and go through. And actually, there's about 40 pictures in the book, which has got about 80 or 90 pictures in total. And the 40 pictures had never seen the light of day before. Wow, it's
0: amazing that you had such a, that you had so many beautiful images just that wouldn't have seen the daylight if you wouldn't have gone through your uh, archive.
1: Well, you have to be careful here. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. You have to be careful. The last thing you want to do is to think, I got all these pictures that uh, weren't used. And maybe there was a better reason they weren't used because they were crap.
0: (laughs) But was it like that?
1: Occasionally. I I mean, you you do do a lot of crap when you're doing anything. Uh, I think you you need to acknowledge it. Yeah. But what you don't need to do is press on the public a, a boring set of pictures. True. And I like to feel that it it's actually quite a good set of pictures. Um, what,
0: what was it like for you in, uh, let's say in practical sense, but also in emotional sense, to go through your archive like that and to really look for new images?
1: Well, it was quite i mean it was quite pleasing to to find that there was these nuggets as it were still still buried in the contact sheets it's nice to feel that they weren't all crap <laughs>
0: because, <laughs> that's always good <laughs> yeah you
1: know, a publisher did come along and wanted to publish them as well
0: yeah yeah see um,
1: so they were good <laughs>
0: Were you really worried about that, that there wouldn't be enough good ones to make a full book out of it?
1: Well, yes. I mean, I, I want to try to give people something worth having in, when I do a book. I think the worst you could do to somebody is, is bore them to death. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you, you know what it's like when you go to somebody's wedding and they spend forever telling you who who this person you'll never meet is? Um, <laughs> You know, sometimes you don't want, you don't want to impose that on people.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you need to be pretty rigorous, is what I'm saying. You know.
0: Yes. In, and in, did someone help you and with maybe this? Maybe a as bit well. more
1: rigorous, but the first edits worth as well. Not not leaving too much forgotten.
0: And were you doing this all by yourself, or was someone helping you go through the contact sheets?
1: I was basically doing it myself. Um, you know, it's got to be my decision in the end. Hmm. Um, my, my wife looks at a lot of stuff that I do, and I always t- pay attention to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and there the, the are photographers whom I show, show stuff to, not too many, three or four, and get their feedback. But in the end, you've got to kind of, it's got to come back to you. You've got to make the key decisions yeah, in or out.
0: Yeah, you can't, yeah, you have to rely on your own feeling about which ones to include. But how, I mean, with a big project like this and you revisited Ireland so many times, how do you choose which images
1: to include in the book? I think it's pretty much the same criteria in it, finally. You might go on a different journey to get to the end there. But the, the question is is the picture actually interesting? Is, is somebody going to bother to look at it? And am I interested in it? Am I just saying, well, the composition looks, is kind of complicatedly organized, but quite so what? Um, or is it actually kind of challenging me in, in more ways than that? So I think it you need to feel attachment to the work. You don't do a book in order for it to be thrown in, thrown in the dustbin or, or taken down to the second-hand shop, mm. ideally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you don't want that to happen. No. You, you want to produce a body of work that people will, hopefully, years down the line saying, that's one of the key works on Northern Ireland. Yeah. Or wherever it happens to be
0: you just said earlier on that some of these images had never seen the light of day but what did they what do you feel that they added to the story now that they are published in the book did it change the story or did it change the narrative that you had in in your mind did they tell a whole different story than the first book that was published together with the colleagues
1: well that did a different story because it was different work i mean more than anything you know we had three photographers working in different parts of Britain. So inevitably the story was different mm. from that uh, than a one person, one photographer, monograph, as it were. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm feeling that the, the story didn't change. I think it just became a richer story, hopefully. In which way? Well, I brought 40-odd pictures back into, into life, as it were. I was able to use the before and after picture along with an interview text in a way on the page that I was able to control and was different from another part of the book which was more concerned with street conflict so there were ways of using the work which was I hadn't really done before photographically you know but the before and after which I think gains people's interest as well.
0: Mm, yeah, it does. Yeah, you're right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, your archive. Um, as I just said, I've been working for 15 years myself as a photojournalist, a uh, documentary maker, and it's funny because currently I am finally Uh, I found someone who is helping me with my archive who's making sure all my images have keywords Uh, while we are doing this interview she is actually at my office working on my archive and and I'm very relieved because I always feel as a photographer that um, yeah I'm we are recording history in a sense so I feel a big um. I, yeah. How do you say this properly? I really feel it's important that my archive is up to date because I feel it's also important for other generations to be able to see the history while, yeah, while we recorded it or in a way that that we took pictures of it.
1: I agree with that, but but, but there is a caveat. That history's only got room for so many so many bodies of work. Yeah, that's so true. Um. And. As I mentioned before, you know, ideally, you're working towards a definitive piece of work that will be of importance, historical importance, w- way after the time that you you've passed away. Ideally,
0: mm-hmm.
1: very true. And those bodies of work don't come along that often. Although there's a lot of other photographers working who produce decent, honourable work, but it's not gonna maybe last longer than a lifetime. Do you think it also because is
0: important which stories you work on then? I mean, the more important the story is. Yes,
1: I think it's important. I mean, I think it's crucially important which stories you work on. The stories you work on, in my view, and I can only say this with authority about my view, is are the stories that you care the most about because you've only got so much time on you here. Why waste your time working on something you're not interested in if you've got an option of working on something you are interested in?
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's,
1: at one level, it's a no-brainer. It's a bit harder than that, though. You know, because um, you've you've got to identify what's really important for you. And I've, I reckon it's a bit like getting... Um, somebody grabbing you by the shirt not letting go Mm -hmm. it's kind of saying this story wants to be done yeah needs to be done
0: that's beautifully said it's so true when you're investing time into a story that's close to your heart it's so easy because you're just being pulled towards it
1: yes and quite often it it well survival programs is a good good solution good good answer here um you know, the work that I did back in the early 70s with survival programs stayed with me and kept me kind of ticking over with this idea that I need to do and gradually building up more and more and more, which I was always aware of that this was an important body of work that I wanted to to do and finish Mm. for me.
0: And how would you say that, um, well, you, you your how many years is, uh, like when did you start working? How old is your archive? How many years of work is in there?
1: Approximately 40 years.
0: Okay, so can you describe what your archive looks like? Is it a room full of uh, uh, films and contact sheets or is most of it digital now? Can you describe what, what your archive looks like?
1: Okay, well, they're, they're as I mentioned before, they're, they're somewhat chaotic mess <laughs> with l- lots of shelves, with lots of boxes, with scribbles on the back of them. Um, but the, you know, du- obviously during the time that I've been working, there are generally not so many different boxes, as it were, because I've been lucky enough to find projects to be given projects that, like I mentioned before that that I really wanted to do that I really wanted to make something out of and so focusing on that keeps me much tighter to a to brief as it were that I'm setting myself
0: mm-hmm.
1: so physically I mean it's got I mean everything's gone digital except yeah. for the 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 final printing sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I'm all for that. I I, I love it that I don't have to get my hands covered in chemicals. So it's just on the the computer now. Yeah. And I've got it organized in my head briefly as a series of major projects and some minor ones that I can keep adding on to. Some projects kind of come of age as new photographs are added to them. For example, I've got a category that I call English landscapes. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not a a series that I'm known for in any way. But gradually, 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 I take these pictures and they just add up slowly to me to a potential book, small book, but a potential book, which is on English landscapes. Which I kind of have been doing the work. I was going through it the other night for for 40 years.
0: Wow! So it's more like a collecting. You're you're collecting these landscapes and you keep recording them, but you're working towards an end result in the end, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I've kind of had an end target in mind for some time, and COVID has helped me a lot with this because the 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 help that it gives a photographer. Is actually keeping them off the streets a bit, yeah, and making them look look inward a bit more carefully. That's so
0: true. Yeah, it gives you a bit of time to actually do these kind of things, right? To go through the archive.
1: Yes. So there's, I've got lists like like that. I mean, the English landscape is one of them. There's a project about maybe doing an, another book around the subject of of Japan. There's a work of putting my work together that I've done in Africa, which I've done 30 years of work. So there's, there's still stuff, even if I'm not getting a lot of new stuff now, i am still got some old stuff to filter through properly.
0: And do you feel that in the years that these images um, um, were in your archive, um, do you feel they are becoming more important or useful over time?
1: Well, yes, I think they do. If, if they're around long enough people want them because the world is changing and the world is changing very fast and people always want to know what the world was like and they want to know what the world will be like Hmm. the only one they can look at with any certainty is photographs the world what it used to look like
0: yeah so it really is a every picture is, is kind of a his, history for for posterity for
1: people who will be watching yeah. this in future years, a- right? Abso- absolutely. Yeah, every, every picture is an archive. I mean, even yeah. if you press it, you've press, you got your film in the camera and the, you press the shutter by release, release by mistake, you've got a picture of your foot maybe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a record. Not a very good one, but it's a record. <laughs> Um, and we continue to make these records, and the ones that, like I said before, the ones that engage us, the ones that mean the most to us, the ones that made it, makes our hearts beat a little bit faster, are the ones that are likely to do that to other people, and therefore stare around, because people want to see it, look at these pictures, they want to know about them.
0: And does the same go for the images that you are taking now? Are you shooting something currently?
1: No, the the last year or so I've shot almost nothing, Um, apart from the odd English landscape and the odd picture of friends having a drink or something like that. Um, I won't go into the details of it, but things make it difficult. Mm. But prior to that, I had a very clear project which I worked on for four years. Which was the New Londoners.
0: Yeah, I saw that.
1: Which is a book of portraits again using interviews with people as well. Portraits and interviews. With people from all the countries of the world, approximately ninety, now living in London.
0: Beautiful. Such to a make great the idea.
1: Sort of conceptual notion that the world literally is living here in London. And was this a project where the idea
0: Uh, Was there first, or did you have so many portraits and you realized, wow, this is the whole world uh, here in my archive and I'm going to go combine them? Or was it something that you really shot as you went along?
1: No, this was something I decided to shoot. There was a a little job that I did literally for two two or three days, which was around the the theme of multi-ethnic London. A writer came to me with the idea and I said, sure, I'll come along and do something some pictures and then as soon as it became clear to me that the only way to do it properly was to say you want to make a real statement about multi multi-ethnicity multiculturalism, then you do it do the whole thing do the world in London because it can be done um, I fell short I didn't, didn't perhaps get some countries families that I wanted uh, but if I was going to do this project, I was going to have to spend my time doing the project, not just knocking off a few pictures of Rinan again. So, yeah, that that took four years of focused work, because you had to find the families, you have to interview them, you have to transcribe the interviews, the interviews have to be edited, the pictures have to be edited, the families have to be sent pictures for their families abroad, and so on, and so on, and so on. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of <laughs> Especially work. Especially that
0: last part yeah. also takes a lot of time, and people forget that that is kind of the aftercare as a photographer that we have to do as well, right?
1: Yeah. And then there was an exhibition, and then there was a book. So Beautiful. that's kind of... I see that, you know, I'm 74 now, as the last of the books that I'll do from new work.
0: Hmm. And do you think there will be any other books coming through your archive archival work
1: well yes i mean i like i said i hope maybe an english landscape will
0: oh yeah that's yeah of course yeah
1: i mean i hope something on africa will there's maybe a possibility of trying to do some, something on burma which was where i was born so there's ideas out there
0: and have you throughout the years ever lost images from your archive Parts that got stolen or burned, or maybe your digital
1: archive. Well, I'm sure I've lost stuff from digital archives by <laughs> pressing wrong buttons at the wrong time. Oh no! Um, <laughs> that's painful. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure I've lost stuff. I'm, I'm badly organised. And, yeah.
0: And how how do you store? You, I mean, you say your archive is partly uh, on
1: shelves in boxes uh, with scribbles on the back. Yeah, I mean, I Everything more or less, because uh, they're more efficient than me, goes into Magnum.
0: So, when you shoot images, you send it over, or you ship it over, and then they archive
1: it for you. I, I send I send them the images, and I send them the captions, and I try and send some of them a sort of short three or four paragraphs about the project, what it's about. And that will go into the Magnum Archive as a digital file.
0: That's good that they're helping you out with this, (laughs) if they're more organized.
1: So I'll I'll keep a copy of that. But, you know, I know if I want to find a picture of El Salvador in 1998, Mm -hmm. I could tell you where where to find them. And that's how I suppose my main income comes from that archive, both in terms of Well, it makes me money two ways. One is from licensing reproduction rights, classic way. Mm -hmm. The other is selling signed signed prints or limited edition prints to the collector's market. So it's important to have an archive that you can know what's in there and where to find it.
0: Yeah, it's super important. You actually make me a bit nervous now. I'm happy that... (laughs) that the person who's working in my office now is making everything digital. Um, she's also uh, making keywords. And like you just said, it's very important that if you're looking for a specific image, you want to be able to just type a few keywords and find it, right? It's it's so important to to be organized like that.
1: Well, again, like I mentioned before, there's a hell of a lot of photographers out there.
0: Yeah, it's huge. And it's the digital word makes it more even.
1: Yes, but it, it properly worded, you can kind of be found more easily than a badly, cha- chaotically organized archive. Yeah, because if until you're found, you are not able to be used.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. But I also think now with the digital world, there are so many photographs out there, uh, and I did, I'm going through many of the online archives now just to see how people are keywording. And I realized a lot of people are not properly keywording. So I think there's a world to win there as well for uh, photographers. If you, if you do that properly, at least your work will be able to, uh, people will be able to find it in a couple of years from now, or let's say 20 years from now. So you have to organize it a bit, I would say.
1: Yes. Well, it's obviously, having done the work, you do want to get it used. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: Well, what would your advice be? Uh, to photographers who, yeah, who may have work lying around that they consider revisiting to, let's say, make a book like you just did.
1: Well, make a book if it's worth making a book. That's a good one.
0: Hopefully. <laughs>
1: Important. But it's going to be a good book rather than, hey, I've got all these pictures, I can make a book. Well, uh, it's, it's a bit harder than that. Um, but no, it, it's it's part of the process of being a professional photographer that you kind of have a history behind you and the history is important and the history can be your pension scheme later down the line as well that's
0: beautifully said that you have history behind you it's so true you're not just taking these images just because you know it's a yeah you are recording history so there is a Importance of but it's, I, I just want
1: to go back to the thing that I mentioned before
0: mm-hmm. about
1: how important it is to me, and part of the, you could say it's the ethos of Magnum generally, is that the things that people are working on are mainly work that it means an awful lot to them. You know, they're not thinking, "Hey, there's a quick fee to be had here." in and out, and let's get get to the next one.
0: But you're trying Mm -hmm. to
1: do something a bit more substantial and important than that. Um, I was
0: wondering, uh, in recent years, I did a lot of assignments, also smaller assignments, basically to also uh, pay my way through my own projects uh, because I would invest my own money. What would you say to young photographers um, if you want to make an archive like you have. Because if I look back at my archive, at least half of it is from assignment work that, I mean, those assignments half of the time weren't that important.
1: Um, Yeah, but you want to be careful here. Because again, assignments don't have to be bad. You know, you you can do an assignment and the work from that assignment can be good work. 100%. And you could go into your archive. So don't just make a mistake of thinking assignments no good, personal work good.
0: Mm, no, that's you true. You can
1: turn assignments sometimes into personal work. Or you can build on the back of it. You can go and do something that you find interesting and then thinking, This is worth worth more money. Put I'll put it I'll look after it myself. And there's a separate there's no need for there to be too much of a separation between and a, a well-done assignment and a piece of private personal work it's your eyes that are using to, to, to through the viewfinder <laughs>
0: that's that's a nice way to say it sometimes i just feel oh i need more time for my personal work because that's what's going to be my archive and here i am taking i don't know portraits of someone on assignment and sometimes it just feels like i want more time to build my archive but you're right everything that's My eyes have shot so far and your eyes have shot uh, is, of course, part of your archive. You're right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Chris, so much for sharing all of this. Um, I hope it's been an inspiration to everyone who's been listening. I'm sure it has been. Truly has been inspirational to me as well, because it makes me feel like, you know, I I need to do better with my archive because in, let's say, 30 years from now, I want to be able to go through and revisit the work and just like you, maybe uh, publish a book of work that has not been seen.
1: Well, go for it. Go for it.
0: Thanks so much for sharing. It was really, really wonderful. And uh, I'm really looking forward uh, to the British landscapes, to the the next book that will come from your archive. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Thanks for that.
0: Well, that wraps up another episode of Shadow Stories. Thanks to our guest, Christy Perkins, for discussing this fascinating story with us all. And thank you all for listening. And we'll be back with another episode on October 20th. See you next time.
1: Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can rate and subscribe in the episodes listing. If you have any thoughts or feedback on today's episode or the podcast as a whole, why not reach out to us on social media? You'll find our details in the description below. We'd love to hear from you.